I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I will just give you a bit of background on this. Uh, Sorry. I'm going to do that again because I felt like I f***ed it. I love your little little lines, your little... They're great. Does he always do this? He always does. They're brilliant. (laughs) (laughs) Hello and welcome to another Curzon Film Podcast. In this episode, YouTube star Bo Burnham's 8th grade finally lands in our watch list and Jajan Kerr takes us from online to on crime with Chinese drama Ash's Purest White. Hi everyone, Jake here. How are you doing? Hope you're well. It's Friday, it's early, and we're just about to podcast. Thank you for listening. Whilst you're here, smash that subscribe button, and don't forget to give us a like. For this episode, I've teamed up with some of my favourite influencers. We've got Ella Kemp. Good morning. Caitlin Quinlan. Hello. And to give us some unique insights into the world of filmmaking for YouTube, we have Bertie Gilbert here as well. Online to on crime. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's enough of that. Oh, okay, wow. that's it. You're this never getting never you're never getting that voice again. <laughs> this just gets better. Yeah. Better. Okay. God. All right. Um, so it's lovely to have you all <laughs> with us here to talk about these two films. Um, Bertie is going to give us some uh, interesting insights to the world of uh, YouTube and filmmaking for it, which are going to tie in wonderfully to eighth grade in just a bit. Now, before we burn through Bo's debut, our fire starter this week is Ash's Purest White. Uh, Caitlin, can you tell us a little bit about this one, please? Yep. So uh, this is the latest film from Chinese director Zha Zhang Ke. Um, we follow Chao, who's a loyal girlfriend um, to a mobster, Bin, who is set to take over control of um, the kind of local gangster crime ring in this um, old mining town. Um, but as Bin faces kind of attacks on his leadership, Chao is forced to uh, protect him and goes above and beyond to the point of serving time in prison for him, um, soon, realize, soon realizing that um, actually, she's going to get little back in return for her effort. Um, so this is not your average revenge tale, um, but it's kind of a cool observation um, of a woman learning to live with the harshest realities in an ever-changing nation. Mm, yeah, um, and it, it's a bit of a beast, isn't it? It's I think it's 150 minutes. Yes, it's a uh, bit of a long one. Big uh, old film. Yeah, and not not just in its length, but in its scale as well. I think mm-hmm. this covers 18 years. It's set mm. d- divided up into three chapters, I think, six six years apart or six and then ten years apart Mm -hmm. um 
And it's Tao Zhao who plays uh, Chow, who's the kind of through line throughout that. Although we have Bin is very much a character throughout. Um, she is she's our guide through this. And it's uh, quite a transformative performance from her and, and through Bin, really, because um, of the situation he ends up in that final act. Um, but I, I think this is definitely going to be a tough one, particularly with what's <laughs> out at the cinema this week. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we're not afraid to admit that there is maybe perhaps another uh, epic film out this week as Some well. Competition, maybe. Yes. Maybe. Um, <laughs> what, why is this film not a slog? What, what is the reason that people should be seeking this one out? Well, I think Chow as a character is, is very watchable. We're kind of following her through this story um, across this period in her life and this sort of period of growth and change. Um, and really, she's a character that's worth rooting for and worth kind of... Um, yeah just worth watching really um she's kind of we're kind of guided by these emotions of anger and you know resentment and and just this sort of revenge narrative that she's kind of undergoing but there's something really kind of moving and quite affecting i think about the sort of changes that she has to go through and this sort of world that she's forced to sort of re-enter um after a time in prison that that shows her you know just how quickly um, China as a as a nation and as a society can change, um, and how sort of fragile her role as a woman and and as a sort of white or girlfriend and you know as a, as a as a leader I suppose um, kind of comes into comes into conflict, which I think is is a really interesting kind of. Um, kind of yeah thread to follow yeah i mean you mentioned this background of the, the changes in china at the time this is happening at the uh, turn of the 21st century and uh, it's very much a time that china is beginning to embrace capitalism and i think her story very much holds up as a reflection to that attitude to capitalism through mm-hmm. China over the last 20 years. Yeah, really. and I think if you've ever seen any other Zsa Zhankar films, then you'll kind of see r- these recurring motifs and threads in Ashes Purist White that kind of look at how, yeah, as Jake says, how Chinese society is developing and how um, lots of kind of rural areas or mining areas are being um, demolished or taken over, um, flooded, you know, for example, um, to in order to build these kinds of, um, you know, metropolitan infrastructures and, and these cities. And, and there's this lot of kind of, there's a lot of social realist frustration I think within the film that's kind of mingles nicely with this crime narrative which is a bit sort of thrilling to watch um, but is really layered and and um, and sort of intricate I think in, in what it's really sort of saying about the way these people interact in in their world and yeah as I say how, how it's been changing mm. and it, it's not afraid to kind of break up this this heavy gangster drama with mm-hmm. these uh, kind of moments particularly using music or occasionally uh, a bit of narrative that reminds me of the the bit in uh, uh, The Man Who Wasn't There that just diverges into a UFO story Mm. for a bit. Yeah, I think you really don't expect that when you're presented with this runtime, this plot, this woman who has to face so many obstacles and things, and then they'll just chuck in a bit of like, oh, here's a bit of YMCA and here's something Mm. to break it up. And yeah, I like that there's those moments that are quite playful and surprising when they don't really need to be because I think if you're going if 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 you've bought a ticket for this film you kind of know what kind of films you like and what you're going into but it still toys with like not not necessarily subverting the narrative entirely but just peppering in like more little like creative flourishes that aren't necessary but are always um really welcome Mm. and I mean I'd say the the years that it spans I think it's so it's so necessary to have that many years to justify kind of the length and weight of the film. I don't know why the film in my mind is Boyhood, but, <laughs> you know, when yeah. you've got lots of years, I think, well, yeah, like maybe I do need three hours to 
covered 12, 18 years. Um, and it does really amp up that frustration, I think, and that sort of resentment of what's happening to, to her. And I also think, as well as the kind of music and the and the dancing and things like that, she, as a character, she's so she's quite funny and she has mm. a lot of really brash sort of quips that she makes and, and the way she sort of manipulates her way back into this world that she's been excluded from um, is just great. And I think there's something really, really kind of empowering and, and fun about a lot of um, a lot of what she does, even though it is fairly it's a fairly long film, and yeah, as Ella says, it does cover a sort of a vast expanse mm. of time and space. But it's you know it's really beautiful. I think it's um it's definitely yeah a vis- like visually stunning. I think yeah. as well. Is- well, and um, because that that chaptering um and the change in eras, it does keep uh, gives it a kind of pep and it gives you a bit of energy mm. with each of those changes as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like you're just laboriously slogging it through yeah. uh, all in the same place yeah. at the same time. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of thing that gets you through the film as well. Um, yeah, and as we mentioned, terrific central performance from Tao Xiao as well. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Um, and I think maybe for fans of recent film, Burning might be mm-hmm, one uh, to seek out. Uh, for those that might have seen that, come and check this one out. Um, but uh, do try and check it out in the cinema if you can, because... Mm-hmm. Uh, as we said, it's, visually it's quite stunning as well. So it's it's well worth seeing on a big screen. And as you said, there's, there's not much out this week. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, I'm not. There yeah, is yeah. no other three-hour film in yeah. the cinemas <laughs> worth seeing. <laughs> uh, yeah. So that's Ash's Purest White. Now it's time to see whether eighth grade gets an A grade from our team. Uh, now this is the debut from uh, Bo Burnham as a director. It's about 14-year-old Kayla. She's played... Uh, who's played by Elsie Fisher. She makes YouTube vlogs in her bedroom. She's encouraging others to be yourself. Uh, But that's something that she struggles with. How ironic. Uh, (laughs) uh, She was even voted most quiet by her classmates, something I sadly never was. Uh, uh, The film follows her in the last week of class before graduating to high school. Um, This has taken a very long time to to get here into UK cinemas, but we're very happy that it is finally here. Um, We will start, I think, by... Well, actually, let's start by talking about you, Bertie, because there's a reason that we've got you here today, other than your fantastic film critics. Yeah. Film criticism. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about your background? Yeah, so... um... Hello, uh, I'm a, a filmmaker, but my sort of background is is pretty unconventional. Um, since I was 16, I've been uh, making and, and posting short films predominantly on my YouTube channel. And um, it's only in the last year or two that I've kind of, 
you know, started to make stuff outside of YouTube and um, veer into more traditional media, which is why Bo Burnham, to me, is such an inspirational figure, because a lot of my peers who've done stuff on YouTube and in the kind of online space, there is a sort of sense, especially if you want to be a filmmaker, there's a sense that YouTube is um, a sort of a, a jumping off point. You know, it's sort of a, it's a stepping stone, but it's you really shouldn't put all your eggs in that basket. And so to see someone like Bo Burnham, who is sort of cut from a similar cloth, um, soaring to these heights is uh, is really exciting. And, and Bo is someone that I've admired for such a long time. And, you know, his background is is very much in comedy. He started on YouTube making these sort of really crass, bizarre songs. Um, but at the core of them, though, he was always saying something. And um, he d- he's done all these stand-up specials and things like that. And I think for a lot of my generation and kind of the social media generation, I think what he's done with his comedy is that he's always been able to articulate thoughts and feelings that a lot of us were unable to. And that's why it's always been very cathartic to um, to watch Bo Burnham. And I think he's done the same thing with Eighth Grade. I think he's articulated something really interesting about this social media landscape and, and the role it plays in, in young people's lives. And um, and yeah, and I, and I think the film is, despite being really like relevant to now and it raises all these things that are very um, topical, I think it's got a really nice sort of timeless quality and I think it's really universal. I think that's great. Yeah, um, and it's a surprisingly sincere film, um, mm-hmm. particularly if you saw what Bo Burnham as a writer or director may have been making when he was 16 in his mm. bedroom. Absolutely. Um, I think on if you don't know Bo Burnham and you're going into this film, you think, oh, okay, it's a story about this 14-year-old girl. She's coming of age, seen loads of those. And then because it's so sincere and just truthful and just so well done afterwards I thought who is this man and how like how has he got inside this teenage girl's brain and at first to me it made no sense but then I found it really satisfying to go back and re-watch all of Bo Burnham's um you know his various stand-up specials and little videos and everything and it does make sense because even though he is you know however many years older and like not a young girl it's all of those same anxieties that are just allowed to exist in their most imperfect and inarticulate form um and and in a really like in a really unapologetic way as well like he doesn't hide anything from the way that she stammers over a sentence like that will never be edited over or started again from the way she like the opening scene when she's aggressively putting makeup on her face and then throughout you're like well she doesn't have perfect skin but like that's no one does when you're 14 years old um and yeah and then so to to kind of do like a seesaw watching eighth grade then watching Bo Burnham then watching eighth grade again then watching him again (laughs) it makes so much sense and yeah like it's so cathartic and it's wonderful yeah, I, I have to say, I, I never really watched him uh, on YouTube. And so this was really my first encounter with him. And then I went back and watched his stand-up yeah. uh, specials that are both on Netflix. And uh, it's it's really interesting, even I think one of the specials that was on there was from 2013. And you can see in that time how much he's shifted away. Uh, as you say, it was mm-hmm. occasionally quite uh, crass mm. songs about um, willies and things like <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, I think not if you to say only... that's not hilarious. <laughs> no. yeah. If you only had a kind of, yeah, if you hadn't really sort of watched Bo Burnham in depth and you only had a vague idea of what his comedy was but you knew it to be this kind of crass you know slightly vulgar and you know 
I think if you go into eighth grade with that sort of faint veil you, of yeah. understanding, yeah. but but you'd also be so wonderfully surprised yeah. at sort of just how wholesome and lovely this film is, and then yeah, go back and watch his other stuff and realize actually it's been there all along. Yeah, well, I mean, when I first heard that the Bo Burnham had done a feature film, I think your my mind immediately kind of pictures some sort of Judd Apatow esque mm. comedy. Um, but as you said, when it came out, it, it it really did start to make sense, and I think on the topic of you know. You were saying Bo Burnham uh, isn't, you know, a 14-year-old girl and and things like that. You kind of wonder what his relationship there is and how he relates to that story specifically. And I think something that's really fascinating for people who um, kind of got their career started through social media or have kind of existed online um, in a significant way is, you know, young girls are, are, are so vocal online. And, and I'm sure Bo Burnham has so many young girl supporters and fans mm. and things like that. And so I wouldn't be surprised if over the years he's developed um, an interesting kind of affinity for, for mm. those people. And especially if they're connecting to him through social media, mm. I think, I, I don't know, I think when I watch it, I, I I can see her as being someone that perhaps represents to him, you know, all those, those, those young women um, who've been watching him and have just been kind of, existing on social media yeah. in such a significant way. And I just think, like I said, the film is really universal and the film is 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 so kind of watchable and I think there's something in there for everyone and I think we can all relate to it in some sense. Um, but I also think it, 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 it touches on something about, you know, the world just keeps coming up with new ways to make young women feel inadequate, mm. you know. And, um, yeah, I think he told that story in a really earnest way. Mm. Um, yeah. honest way. And I think it's it's great that there's nothing, you know, he's kind of acknowledging that there might, you know, this this generation have, have grown up with social media and it's been there since they were born, maybe, you know, depending on exactly what age they are. But there's this understanding that really, as a generation, they're not wholly different from any other generation. They just have various different tools at their, yeah. you know, um, available to them. And um, and I think, you know, all of, as you say, all, the, all of these problems and anxieties and worries about growing up are, are so universal and nothing that he does in this film suggests that, you know, they should be trivialized or made light of just because this is a generation that you Snapchat a lot or Instagram mm. a lot. There's such a kind of, you know, these problems exist, you know, in for everyone, everyone go, growing up. Um, but I, the, the thing that I love as well is just that there is that universality, but I also think there's a kind of some slight nods that are just meant for a sort of internet generation where he kind of... So throws, many in, eggs. throws in the dab. little Vine references and the like Rick and Morty jokes and things like that. And it's like, this is, I'm making this film for you, but yeah. I but I understand that this is, you know, the, the, these are problems that everyone un- can understand. This film has, I'd say, one of the two acceptable uh, instances <laughs> of dabbing on cinema. <laughs> is the other one us? The other one's yeah. us, yeah. <laughs> and both of them, both of them are very self-aware. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, yeah, but um, I think, you know, when you're 14, um, Again, talking about how universal this film is, and, and like I said, it feels sort of quite timeless and and I feel like would still be relevant 10, 20 years from now. And I think when you're 14 and you have all this expectation on you, regardless of whether social media was, was a thing in your life, um, I think you want to isolate yourself. And I think in this film, social media, because on paper we're more connected than ever, but it really does breed this kind of isolation. And so then... Yeah, it's just this this new way that idea manifests itself in these people's lives and, uh, you know, arguably makes these these young people's lives even more difficult and hmm. even more, it's even easier to compare yourself to others when you have this stream 
of just just constant um you know artificial um experiences yeah and things like well that. i mean like perhaps in the john hughes films of the 80s people would be picking up the phone to talk to each other and you'd at least have someone someone's voice on the other end of it um what's quite hard to watch in this film is, is the silences that come between mm. communication because this is a generation and and i'm certainly a fool to it at times as well where i'll rather text or email than actually pick up the phone to talk to someone Me too. um and you kayla could in theory talk to these people and mm. instead she is just presented as you say with uh silent faces on a feed of people having a good time and then unresponded messages she tries she tries to Mm. talk to them so much (laughs) and you can see her trying in every different way as well like it's not like the whole film (laughs) is her trying to be herself and trying to be a normal human being whatever that means and and she goes at it through so many different ways. Like she'll she'll go at it scrolling on Twitter and can I just say they created every account for real. Oh. And there are no screen replacements at any point. They were so like determined to make everything real because like screens are so vital. Oh yeah, um, come on. Every time you see a fake version oh my, of go- Google yeah. or Facebook. Oh, yeah. or so and even like the reflection really on her jarring. face. Yeah. Everything's real every time. That's and great. and um and yeah, and you can tell that Bo Burnham, he really wanted to learn, like, he obviously knows he was born on the internet, as a lot of us watching it are, but he also really wanted to learn from the people he was working with. So apparently um, a lot of the messaging scenes at first he was doing them on Facebook and then Elsie Fisher, the actress was like, no one uses Facebook anymore. And mm. that's why they switched it over to Instagram. Mm. And he's got all these things where you can tell it's a really collaborative process. And um, he's been asked lots of times, like, why was it... Um, a 14 year old girl and and yeah like you're right he was saying that uh, after his stand up shows lots of girls would come up to him and be like you really see me you understand me and at first he thought like how and like <laughs> this, this is insane so that <laughs> and then also he was saying that when he was doing his research and um, you know wanting to find a character to write about because he said at first like he just wanted to make a film about the internet which which he thought there really hadn't been a good one that mm. had been made yet, which I'd agree with. Um, Not and, the emoji movie, no. Uh, close, close <laughs> second. Okay, okay. Close second. Yeah. Right. Uh, and he was looking through YouTube for these like young teenagers talking, and the line he always used was, "Boys were talking about Minecraft and girls were talking about their souls." <laughs> <laughs> Bertie, discuss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. I literally, when I was 13, uh, I I made like a handful of Minecraft videos. So I I totally get that. I mean, and it's interesting. A thing that uh, me and a few friends have done a few times is on YouTube, you can filter um, when when you search something, you can filter it based on when it was uploaded and things like that. So if you search my first vlog and filter it by most recent, you'll get these videos that have been uploaded minutes ago. And it's always exactly like um, Kayla's vlogs. It's always these kids rambling and um and often it's it's you know it's pretty incoherent but you can really see this attempt to to mm-hmm. you know as we say sort of be yourself mm-hmm. and present this sort of uh this artificial version of yourself but um to what you were saying about um how you know throughout the film she's trying desperately to to communicate with people and she's trying desperately to talk to people and she's trying to figure out what is because you know she wants to be herself, but also she does want to please absolutely everyone and 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 live this full rich life of friends and and things like that. And the moment that I just adore in the film is at the end when um, she walks straight past this the the cute kid uh, the, with the with the amazing eyes. 
that and every Voted time best eyes every time we, we meet him it's so funny the way it's cut together it's brilliant yeah. um but the way she walks straight past him and just speaks to that that girl in her class who's always quite mean to her mm. and and you know she just says i've been trying to talk to you and you just don't really respond and i just think it's kind of rude and then she gets on with her life and then even the chicken nugget dinner oh my god, oh my god. Please. weirdly that scene it's so funny and endearing but it, it you know it made me feel very emotional because i feel I like that i think it's that... the most wonderful thing yeah well <laughs> just just to give it some context there yeah. there is a um there's a little boy who kind of uh is also <laughs> a li- kind of at the back of the class type lad um yeah. and played by jake ryan and he's yeah. absolutely wonderful he follow is, him on twitter he is yeah. a little dream um and uh Percy, you gave us a little surprise well, yeah. fact. Well, about he's him. the same. Uh, he's the same kid as the kid in uh, Inside Lewin Davis, who I-, I believe drinks some milk or has some <laughs> cereal. <laughs> Haven't seen that film in a while, but he uh, he consumed something. Yeah. And arguably, he's developing that performance now from <laughs> yeah. from from mil- not just milk uh, yeah. and cereal to mil- chicken nuggets. Um, nuggets yeah. And so him and Kayla have this uh, wonderful chicken nugget dinner. Yeah. And it's just it's just the loveliest thing in the world. It's the it's you know we talk about this catharsis, and it's it's really the it's the crystallization of by the end of that film after speaking to her dad and all that stuff and everything she goes through. It's the crystallizing of of dropping that veneer and kind of removing that expectation, that that desire to grow up, that desire to get on with your life, to leave eighth grade, to to do all this stuff, to allow yourself to have a chicken nugget dinner mm. with this weird kid who you met at a swimming pool. It's just yeah, it's and incredible. Do you think he's weirder than her? Maybe well, he like, is a little think, bit. Do you think he's more matter. awkward, or do you think she's more confident? But I'm really interested in their dynamic, like how much they're going to learn from each other. Yeah. Like, I think I more... think it's a moment where where Kayla kind of realizes that she actually, as much as she wants to be friends with certain people in the school, she actually comes to this realization that she can have friends who will do anything for her, whether it's you know buying every single option of sources from McDonald's so yeah. that she can oh. have whichever one she wants and offering to give her you know his his ones in case she wants extra or something those kinds Lucky of tiny she likes the cutlery yeah, yeah those kinds of tiny just gestures of friendship that are so small but really in the grand scheme of things and what she's been offered by other people and her peers previously this is like you know sorry this is like just the yeah the it's best beautiful. thing ever yeah. it's so lovely yeah and I, I think you're talking about their relationship and I think yeah it's an interesting thing He's very different to her in that because when we first meet him, he he's at the swimming pool and he says, like, do you want to see how long I can hold my breath? Yeah. And he's already, <laughs> you know, an overtly quite strange character. But he seems pretty comfortable in his uh, you're in like, his Look skin. how much I can do. Yeah. yeah. I can impress you. And so, like you said, I think, yeah, she could learn from him. And, mm. and I think that's her journey. By the end, she's in a position to, to maybe be more outwardly herself mm. and weird. Yeah. Um, and it's it's interesting that it's at the start of the film she's telling everyone that, how to be themselves, but I think the herself that we find at the end of the film is a very different one as well. Um, although maybe it was there all along. Well, it ends with a vlog as well that <laughs> yeah. she, like, you yeah. know, she she speaks to her former self, and I I love the idea that there's this time capsule throughout where at, at the beginning of the film, like as it's as it's the end of. Um, the end of eighth grade and you can see all these bits that everyone's put in a shoebox to remind themselves of their journey and everything and throughout there's this there is this sense of always looking slightly back on on what you've just done like it's not a sense of nostalgia like something I don't know like mid-90s that we've seen or something Um, but there's always this understanding of like looking in on your life that you've only just lived Mm. and I think it's really it's so crucial to have that tiny gap to allow you to 
almost like rationalise and assess where you've been and how like the landscape is still shaping you as well. Constantly and reimagining yourself and kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And even in such a short runtime, like just over 90 minutes, you can see how much she's grown and 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 that's why it's so important for it to be at such an age as well where like from one week to the next she can have just like completely transformed based on one conversation she's had based on one dinner she's had or something mm. Mm. um it's magic it's a magic age and yeah. i'm so glad someone's finally like taking it completely seriously without yeah. making it this thing that you're really gonna cry over yeah. and that will traumatize you because like that's happened before like there have been serious roles for young kids and all of that but it tends to be really really tragic or dramatic or really really funny or they're the side characters and I haven't seen many films that strike that balance of being taken extremely seriously but without mm. muting any of the like, quite really ridiculous emotions and over the top feelings that we have but that are allowed to be like as over the top as they are. Yeah I think it's such a refreshing story and and actually I think you know a couple of podcasts ago when we were talking about mid-90s and the, some of the issues I have with that I think what Bo Burnham does here really is quite revolutionary in terms of this coming of age story and for me it's the kind of refreshing and new narratives that we really need to to see in these kinds of stories and um, talking about teenagers and life on the internet because you know it's t it occupies so much of our public imagination now and our attention is all about being safe online and how children interact and things like that and this for me really just is yeah it's such a wonderful film to capture that and it's it's such a it's just such a valid um experience mm. and i think i think in general there is a sense that, you know, these kind of 13, 14 year old girls aren't taken entirely seriously. And um, what we see is the version they put of themselves online, which, as we know from this film, isn't fully authentic. And it, perhaps if you look deeper, it, it's, it exposes more and reveals more about um, what they're experiencing through social media. So like you said, it's so refreshing to see a film where that plight is just utterly respected um, mm -hmm. because I don't know they yeah, they those those young women play i don't know a huge role in in society and again especially social media and it's it's such an interesting thing to to tackle and like you said it's so i'm so glad it lives somewhere mm. now yeah. all right um i think sadly we will have to wrap up there but we we could go on forever i know we haven't mentioned uh, the the cinematography uh from andrew wader which is phenomenal this gordon willis style um paranoia feeling to it uh, <laughs> And uh, Anna Meredith's amazing score as well. Go and seek that out if you can. Um, we'll be back for eighth grade part two, uh, the Chicken Nugget Diaries. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I if, hope if you, we will. <laughs> I really hope we yeah. will. Uh, it would have been ninth grade. No, what would it be? No, yeah, ninth yeah, grade. Nine, yeah, nine, yeah. Eight, yeah. nine comes after eight. Yeah, yeah. okay. Yeah. Eight and a half. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> um, Summer vacation. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, out. So you can see 8th grade and Ashes Purest White in cinemas this weekend. Uh, if you don't fancy going out to the cinema, uh, you can always watch something on Curzon Home Cinema on your very own sofa. Uh, we spoke about Lauro last week. That's the new Palo Sorrentino film. That's on there. Um, but one pairing to 8th grade that I've picked out is The Diary of a Teenage Girl, um, which is very much uh, a coming-of-age story for a young girl, mm. not of the Snapchat generation. Mm. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah. Any fans of that one here? Oh, so yeah, much. It's, it's a so great, great film. film. Yeah. It, again, I think it really takes uh, a, a young girl's coming of age very seriously and treats it with a lot of respect and, and maturity. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any thoughts on 8th grade or Ashes Purest White, uh, you can email us at podcast at curzon.com for next week's show or tweet us at Curzon Cinemas. If it's your first time listening, uh, do subscribe to the show. Uh, we're on iTunes, Acast, Spotify, wherever you get your pods, we will be there. 
Uh, and whilst you're there, if you could leave us a review, a star rating, a comment, that would be absolutely wonderful. And if you want to keep up with all of us here, you can follow Caitlin on Twitter at... At CSA Quinlan. Uh, Ella. At EFE Kemp. And Bertie, you're on Twitter as well. Yeah, it's at Bertie Gilbert, but all the vowels in Gilbert are gone. Just search Bertie. Because you're cool. Well, no, <laughs> someone took... Anyway, just search... You'll find me. You'll find yeah. me. Just search my name. All right. And I am at Jake H. Cunningham. Thank you so much for listening. Farewell. Farewell.